to a Hope 103.2 podcast. Tonight, we arrive in our Spectator's Guide to Jesus at an aspect of Jesus' ministry that for some is a source of awkwardness. In our scientifically informed culture, talk of the blind receiving sight, the dead being raised and storms being calmed seems like the baggage of an ignorant, superstitious past. Jesus, the teacher, we can appreciate, but Jesus, the healer, the miracle worker, that's just a little less digestible. But the thing is, no historical treatment of Christ can sidestep this major aspect of the early portraits of Jesus. In what follows, I don't intend to prove that Jesus performed miracles. What I want to do instead is offer some philosophical and historical observations about miracles before turning to explore what the Gospels say is the meaning of Jesus' startling deeds. The modern philosophical debate about miracles, which has been going on since the 18th century, has resulted in a stalemate. Not a draw or a friendly handshake, but a begrudging realisation that neither side in the debate has been able to deal the decisive blow. Philosophically, the rationality or otherwise of a belief in miracles boils down to our prior assumptions about the world. If you assume that the observable laws of nature are the only things governing the universe then the fact that you might not have observed miracles today will be interpreted as proof that miracles have never been observed, indeed have never occurred. No amount of evidence will be considered strong enough to convince you of a supernatural event. You will always opt for a natural explanation, no matter how complex that explanation has to be. Your assumption demands it. If, on the other hand, you assume that the observable laws of nature are not the only things governing the universe, that there is behind these laws a lawgiver, then the fact that you may not have personally observed a miracle won't be taken as proof that miracles have never occurred. It might inspire a bit of scepticism about miraculous claims, but your assumption about a lawgiver, God, gives you the freedom to accept a miraculous interpretation of an event if the evidence points strongly enough in that direction. Put simply, openness to miracles is irrational if you hold that there's no creator behind the laws of nature, and it's perfectly rational if you hold that there is a creator in control of the laws of nature. This is why the debate about miracles in philosophical circles often moves on to a debate about whether or not there's a god, And in philosophy, there's something of a stalemate there as well. Well, turning from philosophy to history, let me make a few brief historical observations that are relevant to the theme of Jesus as a miracle worker. Firstly, let me say something about um, historical reports of miracles in Palestine in the centuries either side of Jesus. You know, it's sometimes said that miracle workers were commonplace in Jesus' day and that the Gospels should be read in light of that wider trend in the ancient world. The thought is that everyone was doing miracles in those days, or thought to be doing miracles in those days, so the Gospel writers simply um, invented Jesus doing the same kind of thing. Let me say this is not at all accurate. 
There were Jewish exorcists in this period, those who cast out demons. But so far as we can tell, there are only two historical figures other than Jesus associated with healing miracles in this period. The first um, was a Jewish teacher named Honi the Circle Drawer, uh, who in the century before Jesus is reported to have prayed to God for rain during a drought. He stood inside a circle which he'd drawn on the ground and waited until God answered the prayer, which he reportedly did. The story is mentioned a century later by the historian Josephus and a century after that in a book called The Mishnah. The second figure is Hanina Bendoza, who lived in Galilee a generation after Jesus. According to a source written a few centuries later, Hanina prayed for the desperately ill son of a famous Jerusalem rabbi named Gamaliel, and the boy dramatically recovered. Now, from the historical perspective, it's difficult to know what to conclude about these isolated stories of miracles recorded a hundred or more years after the event in just one or two sources. My point, though, is this. Even if these are reliable historical remembrances, and I'm pretty happy to accept that, the parallel with Jesus is minimal, if not non-existent. Honey and Hanina were not miracle workers at all. They were simply pious Jewish teachers with a reputation for getting their prayers answered. What we have in the Gospels is another thing entirely. Not only is the sheer number of Jesus' reported miracles striking, 38 by scholarly count, so is the fact that they are said to occur through his own power. He restores a leper with a touch, a crippled man with a word, A dead girl with a command, a hemorrhaging woman by her contact with his robe, a demon-crazed man with a simple rebuke, and so on. Frankly, we have no historical accounts for other people comparable to this in the ancient world or since. Whatever else the gospel reports are, they were not part of an ancient trend to talk about miracle workers. My last historical observation about Jesus' miracles is probably the most important one. Did you know that the startling deeds of Jesus are attested in multiple independent sources in both Christian and non-Christian writings from antiquity? On the Christian side, five separate sources all affirm Jesus' miraculous abilities. To repeat what I said earlier in this series, these Christian sources are treated by historians as independent witnesses. Although they now again, although they now appear together in what we call the New Testament, they were originally separate traditions. Something other than collusion, in other words, gave rise to the consistent portrayal of Jesus as a miracle worker. From the Jewish and Greco-Roman sources from the period, we have at least two references to Jesus' miraculous activity. The first century Jewish historian Josephus wrote these words about Jesus. At this time, there appeared Jesus, a wise man. He was a doer of startling deeds. Now, the word translated startling here is the Greek word paradoxos from which, of course, we get the word paradox. It's a neutral, non-committal way of referring to Jesus' inexplicable abilities. It's a reference to his miracles. But not so neutral is the legal judgment of the Jewish Talmud. It goes like this. On the eve of the Passover, Jesus was hanged on the cross because he practiced sorcery and enticed and led Israel astray. 
What's fascinating is that amongst Jesus' opponents, those who didn't believe that he was the Messiah, there was never any attempt to deny Jesus' strange abilities. All they wanted to do was cast these abilities in a negative light, as involving sorcery or the power of demons. It's because Jesus' miracles are so widely and independently attested in ancient writings, both Christian writings and non-Christian writings, that most modern experts, whatever their religious persuasion, arrive at a similar conclusion. Jesus did things which were interpreted by everyone around him as supernatural. Now, the wording of this statement is very important. Historians can't affirm or deny that Jesus actually did miracles, because that would be to go beyond historical method to a kind of philosophical interpretation. But what historians can and do affirm is that Jesus' friends and foes alike all believed he could do miracles. That's a very important historical conclusion, and it's a conclusion reached by virtually all of the leading scholars in the field. Um, Professor Graham Stanton of Cambridge University, Professor James Dunn of the University of Durham, um, Professor Martin Hengel of the University of Tübingen, and so on and on and on. Um, Probably the most voluminous modern scholar of the historical Jesus is a bloke called Professor John P. Meyer of the University of Notre Dame in the United States. Actually, Professor Meyer, who's quite sceptical about some other things in the Bible, recently wrote these words about the miracles of Jesus. The miracle traditions about Jesus' public ministry are already so widely attested in various sources and literary forms by the end of the first Christian generation that total fabrication by the early church is, practically speaking, impossible. What he's saying is that while we might not be able to prove Jesus actually did miracles, all of the tests for historical reliability point in one direction. Jesus did stuff that those around him, including those who opposed him, thought were miraculous. Well, that's where historical analysis of the question of Jesus' miracles leads us. But that's also where it leaves us, because how we go on from here to interpret this historical conclusion involves, as I said earlier, those prior assumptions. If you assume there is no God behind the laws of nature, then you're going to search for some other explanation of the strong historical evidence for Jesus' miracles. If, on the other hand, like 80% of Australians, you think there is a God behind the laws of nature, then given the direction in which the historical evidence strongly points, you're going to be well justified in accepting a theological explanation of the evidence surrounding Jesus' miracles. And tomorrow night, I want to unpack this theological explanation. I want to look at what the Gospels say is the meaning of Jesus' marvellous deeds. Hope you can join me then. Hope 103.2 Thanks for listening.